Ladies and gentlemen, boys and <laughs> boys, I doubt there's any girls out there listening to this. Welcome in to the Rick Poundstone Show. That's right. I am Rick Poundstone. We've got the Fantasy Basketball Podcast here tonight. And oh my God, is it going to be a good one. We've got all kinds of good stuff for you today. We have Felipe Dusselt. Now this gentleman, <laughs> uh, you know, he's a tall, slim man and he's won uh, the NBC uh, national uh, title uh, title, uh, well, once he did. And the shine's kind of wore off since, so I don't know why, but we do have him on tonight. We've also got, uh, and I'm excited about this, it's not Papa John, but we do have a member of Papa's Best Pizza, which is a local chain here in uh, my home state of West Virginia. And we're going to have him in to kind of talk about how he does his pies. Uh, And I want to introduce as well, unfortunately, I am the host, but I do have a producer here now. His name is... So Isaac, uh, producer Isaac, I'm going to let you kind of take it away. He's a new member of the show. I, I do believe he's a Jewish man. Uh, not that, you know, I mean, there's a lot going on in the world right now. Uh, so, yeah, Isaac, I'm going to go ahead and let you uh, take over. We'll kind of see where we're going here and uh, introduce our two guests. Rick, you're doing fine. Continue. Just um, maybe um, have them introduce each other and um, ask them how they got their jo- get their jollies. How they, what do they do for fun? And so podcasts start. John, you okay. Well, John, I mean, I don't think it's the Christmas episode quite yet, but uh, uh, Felipe, I see you there. I see your smiling face. It's good to see you again, sir. Uh, it's been at least two years since you did win, I believe, anything in the NBC. And uh, I, you know, I, I apologize. That's just kind of the facts I see here. But uh, Rick, tell everybody Rick, about I, yourself. Just, just interject. He did was the most. Um, he had. The, he won the most money this year um, in the N- NFBC. Oh, well, okay. Uh, you know, I'm kind of on the PBR, the bull riding circuit, so I'm not really paying a lot of attention to that anymore. But uh, Felipe, tell us a little bit about your successful season and what's been going on with you in the whole fantasy basketball world. All right, so I got to sell myself now. Um, <laughs> uh, it me, was, I mean, yes. Yes, yes, right. Um, so, yeah, it was it was a good year. I won the Platinum, which is the highest, uh, highest take money in the NFBC uh finished second in the ultimate auction and then i won a couple of main event uh leagues uh i was somewhere i think 10th in the overall no i think i maybe 12 something like that in the, in the main event overall so i wasn't in it uh couldn't catch up to bryant wasn't really close but uh still had a good year good profitable year and hopefully i can uh have another one next year Okay. Well, uh, good to hear that. I guess maybe he is doing a little bit better than I had realized. And then now uh, we do have this pizza boy. So let's get over here to uh, Papa's Best Pies. Uh, and producer Isaac, I, I appreciate Rick, you having Rick, Rick, um, Jason is a multi-time main event winner and um, one of the highest money earners in the NFBC. He doesn't own a pizza place. Um, okay see this doesn't can you can you stop huh. talking can you stop talking about that thing thank you okay that doesn't match up with what I, my notes are here um i i had a well i thought i thought we were having a sauce boy it's... on but it okay maybe ask him about the postseason contest that he's won before and um and the fall the fall classic that the nfbc hosts with Derek butcher and um okay Greg, gregory uh, okay, I'm going to shift gears here. Uh, J- uh, Jason, uh, tell us a little bit about this uh, post-traumatic uh, season that you're having here. Yeah, it, it is post-traumatic after uh, games uh, six and seven. Now, I was feeling good about uh, 
Houston and um, the Phillies for the World Series. I thought I was in the driver's seat. I had maximum players um, and it all fell to shit. So uh, I'm not going to win that postseason contest, but it's a great contest. I, uh, Phil, I know, uh, plays it as well. More people should be in it, um, but uh, that's not going to go my way, uh, Rick. When you say more people should be in it, why are most of these gentlemen, and we do know that fantasy basketball is full of you know pussies, but why do you think so many of them are pussies, and why do you think they're not joining this contest? Yeah, that, that's a good question. I, I think maybe it's the fantasy hockey um, that the NFC runs is too popular, taking away customers. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Christ, fucking with the puck. <laughs> uh, is that, I just, real quick, gentlemen, is that a dog? That we're seeing. I don't know if anybody sees this video. I, I I don't know what is going on with uh Bjorn, but Bjorn's got something strange going on. So uh, Mister uh, Isaac, what what's going on next here? Okay, um, Rick, did you um did you ask um did you just confirm their pronouns before we start? You fucking uh, please tell me you're not another Clay. Are you gonna be like that Clay guy? Just, producer isaac just a formality we need we need to we need to just do it rick jesus christ we don't want, we don't want any slip-ups during the podcast okay uh felipe uh you've got a schlong right <laughs> yes i do okay well so what woman i, I don't i don't know what uh zeezer and we, then uh mr sauce uh, uh, jason you i presume to be a man correct yeah, I'm packing heat. Okay. Well, <laughs> um, boy, I'm blushing a little bit already here, but uh, okay. So I guess... Ace, Rick. That was Ace. What? Ace. Good job. Oh, okay. Thanks. Uh, anyway, what, what are we, where are we going to next here, Producer Isaac? Hey, we're going to... Let, let's um, ask them... Uh, well, first of all, tease, tease the um, mispriced players. So we're going to ask them for three players they think are undervalued by a lot and three players we think they think are overvalued a lot this year in the really recent ADP. Tease that, and then we're going to talk about some of the players that are going really late that are injured and, if, and uh, whether or not we think they are good or bad bad values. Tease it. Okay. Can you, can you, um, do you remember all that? No. Uh so uh, later on, we're going to talk about uh, teasing uh, players and, you know, which ones are good and which ones are bad. But right now, what we're going to get to, Producer Isaac, is, you know what, oh, I'm going to let you oh, go ahead. Rick, Rick, RP, tease that Justin Steele thing, too. Ah, and later on, uh, and it will be later on in the podcast, we're going to have Felipe Dusselt is going to tell us about this year's Juice, uh, Ju Justine Steele. It's going to be a new pitcher, presumably that pitches uh, from the the southpaw side. That is going to be 2024's Justine Steele. So wait for that a little bit later in the program. It's going to be great. And if I could just interject real quick, hey Dean Corn here, MD. I just wanted to say that I will be administering a full spiritual body scan on these boys tonight. We're going to go up and down. Uh, you know, we're going to hit every nook and cranny. And we're going to make fantasy baseball fun again. That's all that's I want you guys to understand. We're going to make it fun. And we're going to have a very special guest right after that body scan. 
that's going to help you all with your minds. Because when I look through this screen right now, <laughs> I see a lot of sinister shit through these eyes. Thank you, Dean. Uh, Producer Isaac, where do we go from here? Now, Rick, ask them if they can see the, the, sheet, the screen that I just shared with them. Do you gentlemen see the screen? Yes, we yes, do. Yeah, getting, yes. Okay. Uh, and it's good, it's good to have Bjorn back uh, replacing his dog, who is apparently licking his camera and, I don't know, doing what his computer for the past 10 minutes. Uh, glad to be back. I'm sorry. That was that was Stanley. That was a cat. That was a cat? <laughs> Let me ask yes. you, knowing can you, Bjorn, Can we get that out of the studio, please? Probably puts peanut butter down there and lets it... You know. Okay, Rick, I need you to focus here. Um, we're talking Sorry, about, we're looking at the players that have gone uh, very late in uh, 2024 early drafts that are injured and coming back midseason. I want to I want you to ask ask the guests whether or not they think this is good value and whether or not they think these players are going too early or too late. Start with perhaps Jacob Degrom. Gentlemen, when it comes to this sheet with these highlighted things and these player names on it, we've got uh, Jack DeGorm there. Uh, we'll we'll kind of start with him. Who, Other than him and him included, who do you kind of see on this sheet that uh, sticks out to you uh, with this injury stuff? Ace. That's Ace, Rick. Go ahead, Jason. Yeah, it, it throw me the hot potato. This is, I guess, a DC question. I don't think uh, you're drafting these in a fab league. I'm not a big DC player. This just isn't my style. Uh, you know, I'll play LTD here, but uh, <laughs> it, it's not that I expect these guys to get injured again. It's just you're you're stashing them. It could be setback city, or the pitcher could suck. A lot of these pitchers come back and they're terrible. So I generally fade all of these guys. I mean, if if you ask me if I had to take one of them, I haven't really dug into them. It's an easy fade, but I would just go with who's coming back earlier. But some of these guys have had multiple Tommy Johns, and uh, I just don't see it being a smooth ride back, even if it's uh, Dustin May or uh, DeGrom. Okay. Uh, the right. Daywalker himself, Dustin May. Uh, let's go over to you, Phil, uh, Felipe. What do you have to say? Um. I think anyone after pick 600 is fair game because at that point you're just, if you get one guy out of those last, out of your last 10 picks to have an impact, it's, it's pretty good. So um, the ground who looks like he's going a lot earlier than that, I wouldn't touch. Um, maybe, I don't know, Jeffrey Springs, who knows? Um, like anyone, anyone's going yeah, between pick 600 and 700, I'd take a shot on. Because at that point, you're just taking relievers who are going to do anything for you anyways. Or taking a shot at prospects with a very, um, very low chance of even helping your team. I just don't know what kind of idiot would take Sandy at pick 546. He's out for the season. So, um. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, there's some interesting names on here. Let's see who else we've got. We've Rick, got can, uh, Rick. Can you please defend that uh, pick five forty six <laughs> for me? Oh, so uh, producer Isaac, are you the one that took him? I don't play the NFPC. I just produce the show. <laughs> okay, uh, so I don't know who I'm defending for. Uh, yeah, for, for well, when it comes well, the, to at, at that time, you can see that draft started September 29th, right, Rick? I yes. It wasn't confirmed that he was out for the season yet. So that's oh okay. That could well, be why. Um why you know, I'm more of a bull riding uh aficionado, but I yeah, I do know okay. that Sandy you're, you're, alcohol 
You're doing great. You're doing great. You're doing, you're doing great. Maybe talk about some of the, the dates that these players were injured, like that had the Tommy John, like Jeffrey Springs was um, in, I believe, uh, May, right, Rick? And uh, Robbie, Ray was, Robbie Ray was a little bit earlier. Maybe talk about them in relation to Drew Rasmussen, who um, is having a different surgery. But um, Let's do that. Let's talk about the timing. And then I on the back burner, I want to make sure we get to Wander Franco, because that's a bit of a different issue that's uh, pretty pretty interesting. Um, so, yeah, when it comes to these pitchers and the timing, what do you guys think about the guys that have had these elbows, these shoulders, the, you know, all these parts hurt? That, you know, if it happened in May, for example, versus something that may be more recent, like that, that Sandy alcohol thing, do you treat that any differently? What about the timing? I mean, what's the what's the timeline for Tommy John? Like the quickest is what, 12 months, but can use 15 months are probably more realistic. So guys that were out in May, June, July, August could make an impact for August and September. Um I can see it for for Springs and, and Robbie Ray. The problem is usually when those guys come back, not that they're limited, but it's a long rehab, and a lot of times they struggle with, with command. And a guy like Robbie Ray, who's always struggled with command, um, if you throw if you add the coming back back from Tommy John, it could be um, sounds like a disaster. Um, Jeffrey Springs could be interesting, uh, but like I said, I wouldn't touch him. He's been going in some drafts around pick. I think between five and six hundred. If it's if it's past six hundred, I think it's it's fair game. Right now, uh, maybe we can speak about um, John Means taking around seventeen months, Rick, and uh, some of the other pitchers coming back a bit sooner. But um, maybe folk, maybe Bjorn, you can talk about Drew Rasmussen, and he had the internal brace, uh, as you know, Bjorn. And I think you've done a couple of those procedures. Maybe talk about that internal brace and maybe compare that timeline because Rasmussen was injured. Uh, that had the had the procedure in July. And uh, um, the news, Bjorn, I think um, you are well-versed that uh, it's about uh, one-year recovery, so he could be back mid-season. But um, I don't know if anyone, I don't know if everyone knows it. Brian Wu had that same procedure before. There's not many comparatives, and it took him over over the year to return. So maybe Bjorn, you can ask about that. Maybe you can you can interject here, Bjorn, Doctor Doctor Bjorn. Uh, yes, hello, uh, Mr. Uh, Philippe and Dupont. And I was going to ask you about um, Drew Rasputin, uh, Rasmussen in just a second. But first, I had a different question, um, just a general philosophy philosophy question that came to mind. Um, do you draft hitters um, that, uh, much like uh, Rick Poundstone at a buffet, that they, they crowd the plate? Or do you find them to be an extra uh, injury risk? Like hit by pitches, how much does that come into your preparation? Are you worried about those uh, crate pl- cr- uh, plate crowders? It's not something I pay attention to. Sorry. Okay. Okay. It's yeah. actually it's it's somewhere it's at the bottom of my list, and it's 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 even behind the, the Bjorn's babies. Um, well, that's <laughs> that's a given. That's a given. So thank you. Um, but back uh, to my question about Drew Rasmussen um, and him having the internal brace and Brian Wu. And how do you think that affects their outlook going forward? You should be the one telling us. Yes, but <laughs> if, you, if you teach a man to fish, you can uh, actually then let him sustain himself for the rest of his life. And if I told you, it would just be me handing you a fish, Phil. So why don't you tell me what you've learned? 
Um, when did so Wu? When did Wu had to have the procedure? Was July or no? That was well. I can I can do my job as the producer here and uh, search That's that. The producer's uh, checking that out. Yeah. Yeah, I guess producer Isaac's taking a look into this. Um, so I was trying to find. I mean, like Bueller, Bueller had had the. It was the second Tommy John. It was he had it in August, so and he never came back. Um, trying to think of other examples who had it. Um, Chris Sell was what over a year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Is he the pitcher with the the issue about punching things and losing his temper? He's fiery. Uh, Okay. Let me know when we can get to this Wander Franco thing. I just want to kind of. Yeah, Rick, go know. ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Now, you know, do you guys think, and, and I don't know how versed you are on investigations and things like that. I mean, this is the Tampa Bay Rays. This is Florida. To, to pretend that they care about this, <laughs> you know, is just not real. Um, what do you boys think? comes of this is is wander coming back is he out of the leg you know we see a guy like trevor bauer who has been uh you know admonished of all sin uh he has not committed any wrongdoing and uh you know we've seen the embarrassing tour of the woman who you know lied about him now i'm not equating these situations we've got marcelo zuna who seems to be beloved now despite literal proof that he like kind of beat the shit out of his wife. Um, what do you think happened? I, you know, these are all different scenarios. Uh, and MLB seems to cherry pick based on who they like. What do you think happens? Um, with, with Wander. If there's one complaint, I can give the player benefit of the doubt, but when there's multiple complaints, um, so say when there's smoke, when there's smoke, there's fire. Um, I think he ends up like Felipe Vasquez. We never see him again. Wow. What do you think, Jason? Is he gone? I mean, do you? I, and and this is a big thing. I mean, you know, this is a potential like minor situation. So this is uh, not good. I could see him bouncing back for the Yokohama Bay Stars, potentially winning a batting title. <laughs> so are we drafting him, boys? <laughs> no, we're not. No, I think he's. I think he's done. I agree with uh with his, with Phil there. Just as a general question, producer Isaac, I'm speaking. Uh, just as a general question here, um, is there a larger fall from grace for such a young star in baseball? I mean, just career is uh, already snuffed out. You know, not that I can think. Like, not that I can think of Rick. I don't know why you're talking to me during the podcast, but I would go on and I know people complain about this podcast being too NFBC centric. So what I want you to ask the guests is, how do they think Wander Franco will do in um, Japan next year for people to play in Japanese leagues? Like, how do you okay. how do you think how do you think those stats will translate? Will he hit three seventy five in Japan? Gentlemen, I want to ask you this. So if Wander were to play in a uh, like a Chinese leg or something, you know, one of these Ocean, uh, Asian type legs, would he hit uh, good? You know, how how would the stats kind of translate over into one of these uh, North Korean type legs? I think there's a better chance he's in jail than he's playing in Japan next year. 
Okay. Uh, penal league. Yeah, penal league. Um, ask him, Rick. Ask him about Korea if he doesn't think Japan. Well, I did. I said, "Nor." Well, I said, yeah, North Korea. How would he play in North Korea? That, not that's sure he understands. Not sure he understands the question. Do you want to have a go of it right here on the air, Rick? I'm trying to do this brand new podcast. Dude, you're doing ace, and I want you to focus. And let's move on. It's fine. It's fine. Dean wants you to do this, and let's just continue on. Let's talk about. Let's move on to fa- um, the ultimate auction. In um that um Mr. DuPont won this year and Mr. Dussault finished second and uh maybe introduce that and say that it was one of the most competitive fab leagues in the NFBC, uh with uh overall over ninety-nine and a half percent of fab was used in that league. So it was very competitive. Bring that up and um and we'll talk about we'll get into that discussion. So, uh, Mr. Deputy, you had won the overall ultimate uh, NBC auction. Uh, We don't say salary cap draft. If anybody still is doing it out there, do us a favor. We want you to cancel your podcast and, uh, you know, tell your wife the next time she's never mind. So you you won it, Mr. Deputy and Mr. DeSalt. You finished number two. Now, this was the most competitive league in the history of the NBC, as 99% of the participants used their FOB keys, um, uh, FOB money. Um, So I I don't really remember what the final question was, but tell us about Mr. DuPont. Let's talk to you first. I mean, you won this. This is a highly competitive league. We've got the Larry Schechters in there. We've got the Lindy Hinkleberries. We've got the, you know, um, all of the the historic, the the, uh, Zolas. They're all in there. Rick Zola was not in that league. Rick Zola. <laughs> Excuse me. Rick Rick Kama Zola was not in that league. <laughs> Get it together, Rick. <laughs> so you won the league, is my point. Um, tell us about it. How yeah, the hell did you Rick, you can, you can, you can um, elaborate that uh, Jason was really ahead in power and uh, ask him how he managed that over the last few months being so ahead in those categories. You uh, were really the, ahead. With, Fuck. Go, <laughs> Mr. Deputy, you were really ahead in power. I presume that means uh, home runs towards the end of the year. Could what could you do strategically because of that towards the end of the year? Did it allow you different ways of managing your rooster, or roster? Yeah, it did. I probably should have been a little bit um, earlier, but around early August, uh, I was maximizing most of the offensive points. And actually, there was a moment I was going to drop Jake Berger, which sounds crazy, but I knew Phil loved him so much, and he was way too close to uh, do that. But I debated almost two months early cutting a guy like Berger who can't help. But basically the last six, seven fab periods, I just picked up a ton of speed guys and I could throw them in. Um, So it was a lot of fun. It made it very easy to manage down the stretch where I really only cared about uh, one category, which was stolen bases. I mean, that's really how... That's really how it should be. Yeah. I mean, if you can just really kill one category, then you're not worrying about everything else. I think that makes it a hell of an easy thing to do. And, uh, you know, the, the players that are in this league, what's that entry again? That one's... What? Uh, I think it's $500,000 to get in. Yeah, I believe it is up to $500,000 now. They still owe me a lot of money, I, apparently, on the uh, entry, but now 5K. 5K. Okay. Well, regardless, uh, yeah, it takes, <laughs> I'll tell you this, where I'm living right now, 
costs less than that. So uh, let's head over to Felipe. Trailer? Your trailer costs more than five grand. Well, in this economy right now, believe it or not, uh, I, I went to refinance the mortgage a little while ago. It was 8% interest. I didn't know what that – it's a whole thing. I'll have to get into it with you another time. But Felipe, right, Rick, Rick, I want you to still continue to elaborate with Jason and not to you – know, don't get too ahead of yourself, uh, Ricky. Um, just ask him um, just about um, the big production he got for Burger, but also he drafted um, Isaac Paredes, and um, he, he fabbed Votto and Gallo. And uh, they got him 16 home runs and just 200 at-bats between the two of them. So just ask him about that um, as well as um, if there's any if there's any one thing that he did in this draft that um, led him to the top. If, if he didn't hey, do that. Hey, Rick. Thing. Rick, you're, you're going quiet for a, a long time here. Some long pauses. Are you doing all right, Rick? I'm fine. I, Bruce Isaac, if you keep this up, I'm going to can your ass. Do you understand me, boy? Now, I need to get back to the show. Uh, Mr. DuPont, you had a burger, you had a parade, and a couple of different players down the stretch that really helped you out. Uh, talk about that. Yeah, you know, I, I think I got a little bit lucky. These guys were all targets, but I just had a lot of them on the same team. Solaire as well for uh, three bucks. So a lot of my late uh, power shots all, you know, hit their top percentile. Um, you know, and, and I guess my strategy going into the league was, uh, and I did this across the board, uh, six six fab leagues I'm in. I just went a little bit lighter intentionally on stolen bases at the draft. That was basically what it came down to. I wanted to be mid-pack, bottom third, not sacrifice all the other stats and then chase uh, speed throughout the year. And uh, in some leagues, it might have cost me, actually. I fell really short on speed, but this league, it just worked out perfect where I was low in speed and I could make a little move and, you know, kind of finish mid-pack-ish. Um, I just think the game's so hard to focus on 10 categories and try to crush it. So try to take a little shortcut on the speed. I had enough. I didn't want to get buried in it, but uh, I needed to do some work during the year. And it was a great year to add speed throughout FAB. It felt like every week there was some cheap players, uh, especially late in the year. Tons of uh, Jacob Young, uh, Rojas on fi the Phillies. There were so many speed guys the last uh, four, five, six weeks of FAB that were very cheap. Now, I find I want to ask you a question about that. That's really interesting because coming into this year, we had all those role changes and uh, guys breaking records, stealing bases. Now, we didn't know exactly what that would look like. Did you purposefully try to undershoot stolen bases thinking that they would be abundant and that people would not adjust for that. Is that why you made that change? I, I didn't make any big adjustment on the, uh, I mean, I knew they'd be more stolen bases, but everybody was guessing uh, as well. So I kind of approached it like I approached last year, figuring I'll kind of go towards the same amount and uh, cream rises to the top and whatever lift these guys get with the rules they'll get. But I made no major adjustments. I'm actually glad overall, you know, the shift and everything, everyone talked about it at nauseum, but I kind of approached it like any other year. But again, again, it does make you, you know, like I said earlier, I think there's so much more speed in the pool. And uh, a lot of that's the prospects that get called up. So many more kids getting called up that can steal bags. Yeah, I always have kind of ignored stolen bases because they're fucking stupid. And, you know, it's just one category. And, you know, if you hit the ball, that completes you know, four categories and most stupid fantasy basketball players don't understand that. So let's go over to Felipe. Uh, you finished number two in this league. Uh, tell us about your team. What were your strengths? What were your weaknesses? And why couldn't you edge out uh, this pizza boy, uh, Mr. DuPont? Why could you not pass him? 
I just want to ask Jason a question first. How'd you, for, um, for saves, I know you've hunted saves in the past a lot. Um, and you said it's kind of hard to focus on 10 categories. Was it like Enley or bust or was, were you targeting a close or no kind of no matter what? And yeah, no. And, and I don't like what I did with saves there on the Helsley side. I spent too much money. Kenley obviously, uh, came through, but no, I just had a group of um, mid-pack closers. And my yeah. most important thing was don't fall in love with any of them. Just diversify because when they go right. down, they go down. So, uh, And I was looking as far as the closers, I kind of wanted a $15 tier plus or minus type guy. The problem is I took two of them. I took Helsley as well. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know you took Helsley. I thought, I thought you might have had fab the Helsley, but I didn't know you had him in the auction as well. Yeah. 17 okay. bucks. Disaster. Yeah. yeah. Try yeah. cocaine once. <laughs> Okay. Uh now uh Felipe, can you <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about your team? What what was your kind of draft preparation? What did you do at the draft table and how did you, you know, how did you go about your key fob uh throughout the year? Did you do you know, did you blow your load early? Uh did you are you a Johnny come lately, <laughs> if you get what I mean? Uh how did you kind of handle all that? Um, so my strategy actually worked pretty much to perfection. Um, I went for Acuna, Cole, and Strider, and I actually had um, two catchers, Real Muto and Will Smith as well, Circle, Nicolosa, Romano. I got all six for less money than I had planned. Um, they all did pretty well. JTR didn't have greatest here, but like overall, Total they sucks. all... <laughs> overall, as a group of six, they overperformed. I, my, my thinking was spend big on those guys and if they do as i think they will um one of my strengths is filling out a roster and pick and imagining fab um just to put things in perspective um i can ask you guys where do you think jason's team would have finished um if this was a main event overall i know i i dm jason once about a, a, a couple months ago um but where do you guys think it would have finished in the overall main event if, if this was a main event team jordan what do you think Jorn, I think thirtieth. Rick, I'd I'd advise you to answer about fifteenth. <laughs> Rick, I just want to let you know, bud. Uh, Dean Karn here, MD. You can uh, go ahead and give whatever response you would like, sir. Okay, I, you know, I got. I'm being pushed. I'm being pulled. 15, I, I'm gonna say fifteen, uh, Rick. Uh, I, I'm gonna go ahead and say fifteenth. Is that it? So his, his his team would have been third overall, and mine would have been would have been thirtieth overall. So um, I wasn't close. I finished what thirteen points behind Jason in the actual league, but and think third place was twenty six points behind something like that. So uh, and Jason probably, if it had been closer in September, he probably would have made a bigger push than. Um, he did because I know I kind of I didn't give up on Fab. I didn't focus it on it as much in in September because I knew the league was done. I was been catching Jason. No one's well, no one's catching up to me. So um, I think we both just had really good teams. Jason was better, and there's nothing I can could have really done about it. Um, um, Rick, ask the, if there's anything you could have done pre like during the draft or um, when the season was uh, in its infancy. Uh Felipe, when you were when you were an infant. Is there anything that you had your mother? Wait, hold on a minute. Uh, in the 
in maybe, maybe in okay, in- Rick, you're not here. This is this is bad, but maybe move on and ask Jason about all the Boston Red Sox that he drafted in this on this team. Okay, uh, Mr. Deputy, you had a lot of Boston uh, Patriots on your team. Can you tell us how this came to be? And whenever the Bruin players were on your roster, how you exactly figured out which Celtic you were going to put in your line? Yeah, great question, Rick. Um, yeah, I drafted <laughs> se- seven, uh, seven Red Sox players, actually. Five were auctioned and two were uh, in the reserves. And uh, hey, people were uh, sleeping on the Red Sox. I know the year didn't end as I wanted, but most of these players were highly uh, profitable and came through. And then on Fab... Duran, Cutter Crawford, Story, and uh, Raffaella. So, yeah, I had up to 11. You would have thought it was an AL East uh, only league minus the Yankees, which I faded. That's the whole reason I won, guys. So, so secrets <laughs> out. I think it's, ama- I think it's amazing. <laughs> I think it's amazing how Rick uh, mixes teams. He still knows the four teams that play in Boston. So, uh, there's a lot of knowledge in there. <laughs> Rick, Rick is you know, fantastic. Sometimes... You're, you're doing fantastic. Just, say, just, just say thank you, Rick. Uh, accept the compliment okay i uh thank you felipe and let me check my notes here to see where we're gonna go next um Hmm. i think it's time for that jorn segment uh i was just gonna say rick at some point i gotta make sure that you know people accuse phil uh, they call him the robot and and whatever and i'm here to prove that he's not a robot and i've created some visual cues that we'll be able to describe for our audience so uh, when a robot tries to access a computer, you know, or a bot, they're often um, thrown off the scent by having to identify all the pictures in a crosswalk or check all the boxes that have bicycles in that. So I've created a somewhat of a similar exercise for Phil. Phil, now what I'm going to need for you is just your honest reaction and describe to me the first thing that enters your mind when you see these pictures. Okay, here's picture one. <laughs> uh phil what do you see on this screen right. okay what for our audience at home phil is laughing phil what do you see on the screen uh pickle i'm trying to see what it is here all right phil answered uh that it is a pickle that's a very kind of uh almost a phallic answer but that's actually a civil war cannon you can see the clear uh base of the cannon the wheels uh, and then uh, I guess the muzzle or the shaft of the cannon, you can see it extending from the wheels. So uh, we'll give you half credit on that. We have a couple more of these. Um, any idea what these pictures might be, Phil? <laughs> Those are, um, let's see, watermelons. You know, some, some would say, uh, Yes, those look like watermelons. They're actually uh, old-time cannonballs. That's why they look like big round balls, and that's the fuse on the top. So that's uh, we'll give you a little bit of credit for that. My next picture here. Uh, any idea what this might be? <laughs> uh, just the first thing that pops in your mind, Phil. That is a puzzle. Uh, yes, that w- is... One of them looks like the cat that was on your desk earlier. And the other one looks like a poodle. Yes, these these are just two puzzle pieces. Uh, when I asked Rick this question earlier, he actually thought uh, that they resembled uh, two men, either break dancing or in some sort of embrace. But yes, they're just 
they're just puzzle pieces. I don't so know that I remember that, but um, I think overall you've described these um, pictures pretty well. I had one more. Um, if it's any clue, it's a Fourth of July themed picture. Uh, it's just a man, and there's his thought bubble. Uh, it's it says, "I can't wait to get this in my mouth." Do you have any idea what that is, Phil? It looks like a man eating a piece of raw fish. Very close. Uh, ruling is not a robot. It's actually a Nathan's hot dog eating contest. That man is about to <laughs> guzzle down that dog and just wrap his lips around it. So well done, uh, Phil. This has been Dr. Masterson inside of you. And I can confirm for all the listeners that Phil is, in fact, a human being and not a robot. That was great, Phil. Thank you, Bjorn. <laughs> this, this is Dr. Dean Karn. I just want to say, Bjorn, you did a great job there uh, with those. I think you, uh, you know, we've got to get verification in. And I know that that doesn't seem very fun. But part of what makes things fun is to verify that everybody is who they are. And uh, I, I just want to say that I, on the back end, was able to identify all of those exactly correct, uh, as you shown there, Bjorn. So uh, anyway, Rick, take it away. Rick, now you should uh, should circle back to Jason's uh, strategy to take a lot of Red Sox and Yankees and ask him about the modified KC Cha. Ask him about the modified KC Cha. Uh, Mr. Deputy, I want to ask you about the uh, modified KC uh, Cha. And I guess what that means is it is a way, I believe, of taking players on a one team a whole bunch. Well, what is this uh, uh, modification, Casey? Yeah, well, just just a reminder for your audience, uh, Casey was known for uh, coming into his drafts with a very small list and just uh, executing. Uh, and I can't copy uh, Casey Cha, who's a legend. So to make things easier, I just eliminated the Yankees and uh, <laughs> makes prep a heck of a lot easier. Saves me a lot of time. Um, and the Yankees have been terrible the last uh, two decades anyway. So, um, <laughs> I think 2009. Yeah, they bought that one. Sabathia, Burnett, I remember that one. Um, since then, Rick, can you refresh my memory? What have they done since then? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think they probably won a couple divisions or something like that. But, yeah. Yeah, those mean a lot. Uh, they, those, those are fun for the uh, fans. Yeah. 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 There are a bunch of pricks up there. I mean, I've always fucking hated New York. You know, you go up there and you walk the city streets, it's filth. I don't know who knows the movie Taxi Driver with Robert De Niro. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. And he's right. The streets have shit in them. They stuck. And these you go up there and you get these I love New York t-shirts. Could you be more full of yourself, you fucks? Anyway, uh, Mr. DuPont, back to you. Rick, I need you to focus. Maybe maybe um, change the subject here and talk about the fab. And um, talk about... Um, Jason's big spends on Story and Morel, and Phil's big spends on uh, Matt McLean and Scoobal. Maybe ask Let's them about to, those. Let's go to Felipe first. With your key fob, you went with uh, uh, Matt McDon McLean and Matt McDougal. Tell us a little bit about those pickups. Tariq and, Scoobal. Uh, Tariq Scoobal. Tariq Sca uh, Scalpel. You had picked up these gentlemen, and they asked him why he wanted Scoobal so much. He's fucking... Why did you want Scalpel so much? Um, so Scoobal last year was a 3.5 ERA XFIP Sierra kind of guy. Um, over decent, I think over 100 innings. So good track record, at least better than all the young pitchers that are coming up. Um, he looked dominant in his five rehab starts. Zilo was up, K-Rate was up. 
Um, I didn't expect them to be this good on a, but like on a per start basis, I think I liked him better than any of the young pitchers that got called up. And he came up late enough that um, there was a heavy discount on him because no one had money left. I got him in, I believe, every one of my leagues except maybe one. Um, even some leagues where I thought my pitching was good, I kept the bid around 100 bucks and I got him. So um, he was a target. I was kind of saving Fab uh, or Fob, as you say um right for for hammer story uh but then it got to a point where i needed pitching more more than hitting so um that that kind of worked out the story would have been a disaster but um scuba came through and then i had a bunch more injuries later in the year at pitching so um just scuba ended up being a perfect fit on all or at least mo five of my six teams i believe ah okay so and, and the, the, and the other guy you named matt mclean um when everyone was spending on the big pitchers early, um, I thought, I mean, I wasn't going to go 200 plus on McLean, uh, but just that he was below average in, in his first week, uh, brought the price way down and made him affordable. And for me, a week of games doesn't change a player's value. Um, he'd played, what, like a month and a half in AAA by the time, or maybe almost two months. Uh, yeah, a month and a half in AAA by the time he got called up. And he'd been good, so a week in the majors just doesn't change anything. Um, it was a great part, getting at the top of lineup, speed, um, enough power that to play in in, uh, in a great American ballpark. So um, he was. If I'm, I'm just glad that he had that. He struggled that first week, because otherwise, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't paid up for him. Yeah, I've never heard of him, but uh, you know, congratulations to you on that. Now, Mister Scalpel, is he still with the Detroit? Uh... The, the Lion Ball Club? Yes, he is. And he's going okay. very early in these DCs. Probably a little <laughs> bit too early, but uh, we'll see, we'll see Rick, when I run my this numbers. Is, Rick, this would, be an excellent, this would be an excellent chance for you to um, go with the flow here and, and uh, go off script and talk about Therese Kubel in, in, in terms of this year. Excellent time to talk about that. Uh, okay. Uh, would you say that uh, Mr. Scalpel has gotten his red wings uh, so to speak here, uh, Felipe, uh, this, 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 uh, Tarika, uh, scalpel, is he good to go? You know, is he, you know, part of the, the free press? Uh, what, what do you think about Mr. Scalpel? Uh, let me just pull up in the first four drafts, 82 51. Um, I don't think, I think they might, there might be a bit of a limit on him next year. Cause they were very careful with him this year. Um, kind of living into uh, mostly around 85, 90 pitches and then kind of slowing him down late in the year. Um, like, I don't think even, even if pitches really well, I don't think they'll let him go 160 plus. Um, so for me, when I said pick 50, it seems a little bit early, but the skills were great. So um, I guess I haven't run my numbers for next year. So I don't, I, I think I, I could, could have him as second round value or 10th round value. I have no idea yet, but um, just looking at it now, it seems a little bit early uh, for me. Go ahead and run your numbers right now. We'll run. <laughs> Rick, maybe this, is, people, a good this is a good time to ask uh, Philip um, what's in his system. Maybe get him to um, re okay. uh, reveal, the, reveal the system. 
it's a little intrusive, but uh, okay. Um, when it comes to your system of evaluating these players, now I'll go on record and say that uh, Tariqa Scalpel, he'll be an outside 200 performer next year. Uh, all these idiots taking him that high. That's just kind of what always happens. He won't even be a top 200 pick by the end of uh, his value next year. And you can mark my words. Um, but what goes into your system? You know, what have you updated for? The game's new now. We got guys stealing bases. We got the fucking, you know, Diamondbacks somehow in the World Series. Um, yeah, what what goes into your little system there? So I can't tell you exactly what's in it, but there's a lot of things, a lot of things that don't even make sense to me, but everything is is tested and seems to, seems to mostly work. Um, if you want, I can pat myself on the back and tell you that last year, um, my top five pitchers, and I guarantee you no one got as many right as I did. I had um, Cole, Strider, Scher Scherzer was the one that didn't work, and then Castillo and Blake Snell. Um, no one had Blake Snell in the top five, and I think he ended up being the fifth best pitcher per, per Rasball. Um, so. They tried cocaine once. <laughs> That reminds me, Rick. Thank um, you, Doc. So maybe, I, I won't, maybe, I won't change ask... too much next year, but uh, it, uh, if it works, just keep doing. I'll keep doing what I'm doing and, and hope it keeps working. Rick, ask ask the guests if they've, if they've done any drugs. That's I've, I've seen that work with um, Mike Masato. I don't know how that. Sorry for the pause here, gentlemen. It, Rick, um, I don't need to argue about this. It, it doesn't need to play into our current conversation. You just... I don't see what the fuck that has to do with this. Why are you asking me to do this right now? Ask them how many prescription pills there are. Jesus. Gentlemen, I think I can take this one. Hi, this is uh this is Dr. Dean Karn. Okay. I, I wanna we're gonna ask you here. Ray, I, I I push Rick off to the side. We're gonna bring him back in, in a moment. But uh gentlemen, I, I wanna ask you, and we're gonna start with uh Jason, okay. Uh because you know we've had we've heard Phil talk quite a, a lot here lately. Jason, what what are you on any prescription drugs? Do you take psilocybin mushrooms? What do you do to get that third eye open? Yeah. Um, usually when I'm in Vegas, I try to find a guy in the street and whatever you can get for 20 bucks usually works for him. <laughs> okay. And you know, what do you find that do, is? Do you, you have to keep your pants on for that $20 or is that a little more than that? That'll be, the, uh, that that'll be on the Patreon. Okay. Well, there's a tease for later. Uh, Phil, let's go over to you now. Uh, what, what what do you do? What what drugs are you into that kind of you know get you to you know see the uh, all the the bright pretty lights, uh, so to speak? I don't do much. I just drink mojitos with Bjorn. Okay. Well, uh, there we go. Uh, well, gentlemen, I can tell you this. Uh, I, I see that there is, uh, you know, there, there's something behind your eyes and there's a real you that we're, we're going to pull out here tonight. We're going to do a full body scan on both of you gentlemen. And we have a very special guest who's going to come up and uh, kind of get into your minds here in a moment. This is Dean Karn and uh, Rick, back to you. Okay. Um, we were, we were talking about fob. Uh, yeah. Okay. So let's go Rick, back Rick, over to Mr. Hey, Ricky, Deputy. Ricky, we pulled up. We pulled up a, a slide here, and we're we're showing uh, the fob, the fob versus uh, the draft stats. So the stats accumulated accumulated through draft players, and stats accumulated through players that are fobbed. We have all the we have all the numbers here, and you know that uh, our audience can't see them, but maybe have um, Jason and Philip talk about that. 
Okay, uh, Mr. Deputy, let's get into your FOB pickups. And I do forget the key names uh, that that uh, I was told a few moments ago. But how much did you squeeze out of these gentlemen? And, uh, you know, talk about the percentage. Talk about this stuff that's on the screen right now. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Deputy. Can you see it? Is he muted? I, you know, I don't. Uh... Phil, I think you're a deputy. Oh no, yeah. no, 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 uh, no, uh, Mister, Mister. Oh, I thought I'm sorry. I thought it was Papa John's. I'm sorry. I'm confused. Well, he, <laughs> I, I'm, I, I have, you know, I've gone back and forth, and I, my that's bad. my mistake. I, I apologize. Okay, what, what, what's the question here? Sorry, Rick. You know, Rick, I'm not I, sure. Ask, ask them about um the, the fab, uh, the stats accumulated through the players they, uh, they fab they picked up on waivers versus the, versus the stats that uh, were for players drafted. Maybe we'll start with the batters, the hitting. It with the like hitting they... on your team, Mister uh, Pizza, did you look at the percentage of performance you got from the fob players versus who you drafted? Uh, what what do you attribute that to? I mean, uh. I don't even know what the fuck I'm saying here. Yeah, in, in general, what was unique about this league is I, I had my fewest uh, number of pickups of all my six leagues. Um, I got pretty lucky. I had very little turnover. I think there was a point in the summer. I never do this. I like making multiple pickups per week, but the offense was clicking, and I might have not had a pickup for like three out of four weeks, which is unheard of in this particular um, league. So I, I didn't need a lot of help on offense, except the speed guys. You know, some of my bigger pickups were uh, Christopher Morrell, uh, Jaron Duran. And uh, the problem I had with Fab was I waited too long. I had too much money. I got to that point, you know, Phil kind of mentioned it earlier. He was saving for either Scooble or Story. You know, it was kind of Story Strand. And, um, you know, I just could have managed the Fab numbers uh, better. Um, pitching though, definitely got major lift there. I probably would have lost the league. Otherwise I know, um, I saw some, someone on Twitter tweeted about this, but, uh, I ended up, uh, according to these numbers, having a lower ERA with my fab pickups and, uh, the real hero of them all. And I didn't know this until, uh, I saw that stat is Tyler Wells. He gave me, uh, 89 innings, three, six, four ERA, one, zero, four whip, six wins and 92 Ks. So, he was absolute gold. I loved it. Yes, I loved it as well. Uh, he was absolute gold, uh, Tyler Wells. And um, saves were pretty easy to pick up in this league. Um, lost Helsley early on at Kenley, so down to one closer, which sucks. But um, soon thereafter, picked up uh, Harvey. He went on his run. He died, and I grabbed Finnegan that final week. So I kind of had that Washington closer for half the year. Tanner Scott at the end of the year. So, um Saves tended to be pretty easy, I think, towards the uh, last couple months. Very uh, affordable too on the on Fab. Now to deal with a uh, to deal to deal with a death uh, in the middle of the year with this Harvey gentleman. Did you, you know, did you have a bit of a uh, a ceremony or what? You know, how how did you deal with his death other than just that his stats weren't on your team? I um. I poured some out of my 40 on Sunday at 10 p.m. and picked up Finnegan for him. Okay. Huh. And we die, we're replaced. Maybe, no, maybe note that he also picked up Leclerc and Alvarado as well, although they didn't get many saves. But um, point out uh, Cutter Crawford, another hometown um, hero for him. 
didn't his overall stats weren't as good as the stats that were in uh, Jason's starting lineup at 2.52 ERA and a 1.09 whip over uh, 35 innings. Ask Jason about managing when to use Cutter, given the fact that maybe he wanted to use him more than he did. Okay, uh, so this Cotter Crawford guy isn't very good. Uh, he plays for the Boston uh, Sox club. And how did you kind of work his innings in uh, with some of that inconsistent performance? If you want to talk about this Silverado guy that you got too, uh, you can also do that. Yeah, I, I think with Cutter, um, it, it was more just watching uh, the tendencies of his uh, pitch count and how many innings he was going. Uh, you know, there was a point where he was consistently putting up five, but then he, he came short for about a month. So I, I think I pulled back second half of the year um, using him and it worked out uh, just fine. Although we had a little late lift uh, in September. Um, but yeah, no, it was, um, I think I got, obviously, you know, when you look at the ERA uh, fab better, I, I got lucky with some of my um, uh, matchups. I mean, the best one actually, and probably why I won the league is my ace was horrendous. Absolute terrorist in many ways. My ace on three teams, by the way, I should have a play on FBC. Christian Javier was my ace on this team. And I looked and I had him on the bench for like 56 innings. So about a third of the year, you know, my $29 ace was on the bench. So basically benched him that stiff and had, you know, guys like Wells and um, cut a Crawford in there. So I guess it was, uh, you know, sometimes it's tough to bench your best, your quote unquote best pitcher on draft day, the guy you paid the most for. But um, I thought I did pretty good um, not worrying about the draft day cost and benching his ass. Rick, I want you to know. I want you to know. Phallic, well, go ahead. Go ahead. Coming up, we've got the Justine Steele. The, who is this year's Justine Steele? That's coming from Felipe Dusselt later on in the program. Go ahead. Rick, uh, perhaps note that um, the uh, percentage of uh, stats accumulated via FAB were much lower for pitching on these good teams. And Philippe's uh, hit uh, almost... Uh, almost doubled Jason's uh, output in fab hitters. So maybe asking those two items. Uh, good teams tend to not need to fab pitching as much as hitting. And Phil really emphasized getting hitting on the waiver wire. So good teams don't have to emphasize pitching. Uh, no. Um, gentlemen, Felipe, uh, why was your team dynamic different with your FOB stuff compared to Mr. DuPont? And uh, maybe you can kind of give me some insight. So I think it's kind of cool to look at this this chart that your producer prepared. Um, in terms of uh, at-bats, I got 45% of my forty five of at-bats uh, from FOB in, in hitting, and Jay's only had 24%. Uh, and pitching, I was at 26% for innings pitch and 14% for Jason. Um, Jason's 3.45 ERA and 190 innings are just, I mean, amazing. I had 366 innings with a 4.45 ERA, and that included Scooble. Um, pitching is just impossible to find. I mean, even if I look at my like some of my other good teams, uh, my platinum was a 4.33 ERA. So, um, I think pitching is just impossible to fab. Whereas with hitting, you can, um, you can always find guys just have to be active. And yes, there's some 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 luck involved, and those numbers probably wouldn't look, wouldn't look as good as um, if I didn't have McLean. But um, 
the other thing I'm kind of surprised about is um, how balanced both Jason and I's stats are in, in fab. Like I got 40, what is it? 41% of my hits, 41% of my runs, 39% of my um, home runs, 41% of my RBIs um, in fab stolen base all over 28%. But um, you can kind of, I think batting average might be the, the hardest category. Jason was pretty good at getting a 247 ERA from, from fab hitters, but uh, it's probably because he was so high in power, he could afford to, to focus on, on average. But other than that, I mean, you can, batting average looks like the hardest stat to pick up. But other than that, you can kind of, if if you need to find find runs, home runs, RBIs, stolen bases, you can kind of do it in fab. Um, pitching is just a lot tougher. Um you have to get lucky with a school bowl, but if if you have to fill three or four spots with with starting pitchers, it's pretty much impossible to get anywhere close to four to a four ERA. Interesting. Well, ask, ask Phil if he has a system for the streaming pit streaming hitters. Is there a separate, more um, specific system, sort of like a DFS type uh, strategy that he has? Felipe, do you have a sister uh, <laughs> for streaming hitters? Does she tell you, you know, when you should put this one in versus that one in? What does she, you know, how does she, how does your sister help you out with, you know, getting hitters in there? And is it anything like DFS? So there is there is a big. Um, I think people think that I I um, I stream hitters for a week and then dump them. I did that. Uh, that probably. I, it's probably from like 2020 where it's all I did because it was a short season. But um, when I pick up a hitter, I try to do it for a month or two at least. Um, I spend a lot of my time on looking at lineups, looking at playing time, looking at guys that are, are regulars or at least have a chance of becoming regulars um, within the next few weeks. So, yes, if if my team's um, late in the year, I'll stream a lot more for matchups. But for 80% of the season, I try to pick up guys for at least a month. Um, sometimes I'll dump them because it doesn't work out. But um, I think the reason I got 45% of my bats from Fab isn't – it's not from streaming. It's from picking up guys like um, – they didn't all work out, but like Brenton Doy, Alex Skull, um, just Matt Vierling, just guys that know – that have some skills, usually speed, a little power. Um that I that I pick up and because the regulars been playing every day, I think by the time people notice that um, I have in my lineup, my mistake might be sometimes sticking to projections too long and keeping them too long when when nothing's happening. But um, for the most part, I think my numbers have kind of worked for me, so I try to stick with them. Even like sometimes I'll go against them and regret it, which and then I'm like, just trust your numbers, trust your numbers as hard as it. It can seem sometimes. Um, one of those guys was um, Jose Abreu. He was dumped in, in one of my leagues, and I didn't bid on him um, just because I'm like, ah, he's broken. There's nothing there. Um, and I ended up re regretting him. I'm like, I just trust the numbers. This whole, they won't always work, but um, it. I guess it's easier to live with the bad decisions if I just did it by by trusting what has worked for me in the past. Um, but, yeah, it's not – I, I don't play like DFS where I, I, I stream five guys every week and, and dump them back. I'll, I'll do that in September when uh, roster spots don't matter and I've got five bench spots I can use to stream. But uh, for most of the year, that's that's not what I do. Okay. 
Perfect. Uh, is there a, is there a, ask Bjorn if he has an inside you segment? Yeah, I was just thinking about that. Uh, Bjorn, uh, do you have your fuck your horseshit, uh, you know, master sit inside you thing today? Well, we already talked once, and I loved it. I am. That's I don't know excellent. who's doing that, but go ahead. Uh, well, we already talked to Phil, but uh, Jason, I had a question for you. I assume when a Boston Red Sox uh, goes to the Yankees that they're kind of dead to you. So is that the case with Babe Ruth? Is he kind of, you know, scum to you? He is. He's on that list. Yeah, and and that, that's kind of what I thought. And I, I think I know why the Red Sox actually traded him. Some people uh, say it was the curse of the Bambino, but I think that they knew he was a – uh, morally bankrupt man. Uh, are you familiar with uh, his first wife, Helen, at all, uh, Jason? D didn't he uh, burn her down the house? Is that the rumor? It's funny you should mention that. So uh, in December of 1928, uh, Babe Ruth and his wife, Helen, met, and she wanted a divorce. Uh, she wanted a settlement. She wanted $100,000, and Babe Ruth told her to go to hell and stormed out of the meeting. And then just one month later, uh, Helen died mysteriously in uh, a fire that they could never figure out. And uh, Babe Ruth was supposedly just overcome with grief, but not too much grief because he married uh, his next wife in April of that year. Um, so I just wanted to say, uh, you know, check out the hashtag justice for Helen. Um, so this, this isn't so much of a... <laughs> inside of, of Jason, uh, you know, his mind, it's just coming to understand why he hates the Yankees so much. I think it, it stems from Babe Ruth, uh, possibly, uh, quite possibly, probably some would say murdering his wife. Could you imagine in today's society, if a modern ball player and his wife disagreed about an, uh, an alimony settlement and she just, uh, ended up burned to death in her bed a month later, and then he got married two months after that, I think it would be a little different in today's Twitter um, society. So anyway, I'm fully behind the Yankee uh, hatred. And and this has been Dr. Bjorn Masterson um, inside of Jason. Rick, maybe you want to follow up and ask uh, Bjorn if um, people who were playing fantasy back then, they would have dropped him sort of like Wander Franco, maybe make that make, make that comparison. Big I don't know that Wander that's... Franco. Producer Isaac, I don't know that that's this guy. Uh, I, no, I'm not going to ask that question. I what 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 I do want to ask is, gentlemen, uh, are, are you ready for your free body scans? Because now that we're on this health kick, I've got the runner of this show now. Now it is my show technically, but Dean Karn, uh, MD, who has changed my life for the better. I've gotten rid of my family. I've gotten rid of all my friends. I live totally alone. Um, I, I basically live like a monk, and I, I love it. Uh, my life is in a great place right now. I've got all of Dean's books. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to let you guys get a free body scan. And apparently there's a very special guest that he has as well. So, Dean, take it away. Gentlemen, now I want to say, I have had the privilege of seeing you, Jason, and you, Phil, on other podcasts before. And I know there's more behind those eyes. Okay. I know the shit-eating grins, you know, that you're out here giving us tonight are, are not all that you are. So in lieu of my traditional uh, full body scan, where I would put my hand, the palm of my hand up to your, your face and your chest, and I just, you know, slightly just kind of caress the whole way down your body, 
and I would figure out, you know, what is up with your chakras because they they they're probably fucked up. Okay, instead of doing that, I'm going to bring in a world renowned professor in uh, psychology. He's made waves all over the world now. He hails from a country north of us, actually where you are right now, Phil. Ladies and gentlemen, for a free psychological study, I'm going to bring in Dr. Jordan Peterson. Jordan, come on in. Hey, everybody. Dr. Jordan Peterson here. My God, I'm just so happy to see all of you here tonight. And uh, I would be willing to give you a psychological evaluation. And, excuse me, Phil, we're going to go ahead and start with you. Tell me a little bit about your childhood, if you could. <laughs> well, you uh, know, it all starts whenever you're a child. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, uh, yeah, tell me a little bit about your childhood, and I'm going to dissect it for you. Okay, so my childhood was pretty normal. Grew up in a small town in Quebec. One brother. Went to school and then moved to Toronto. That's a hell of a life, man. Yeah. That's a hell of a life, man. You know, and it's similar to my upbringing, too. I'm going to say that, uh, you know, there's a lot of trauma that goes on in these young Canadian homes. And you look like, a, you know, a strong, a strong-willed man, and you're, you're not toxic. This term toxic masculinity, I, I, I get so sick of, you know, in today's woke agenda and i just want to say that uh you, you look good phil thank you uh, dr j you're you're welcome and my god look at who we've got over here we've got uh jason uh now you you hail from a northern area of uh the united states eh and you know you're a little bit different than me but you don't live too far off uh tell me a little bit about your childhood jason it was uh, pretty normal, um, Rick. I wasn't in a trailer. We had heat. Pretty, uh, pretty normal. Tell me more about. Um, actually, when you get Rick back on, I'd love to hear about his family, Maggie. I'm sorry to hear. Uh, well, I guess he sounds very happy. He's alone right now, but uh, I'd like to if you can check in on Rick with Maggie. I well, think there's more than meets the eye there. Yes, I don't think he's necessarily happy. Uh, but gentlemen, it's been good seeing you all tonight. Uh, I do want to tip my cap. Uh, to uh, Dr. Masterson here, eh? Because, you know, you've been doing a lot of good work. And, uh, you know, and you gentlemen are welcome on my podcast. We are now part of the Daily Wire anytime. And uh, this has been Dr. Jordan Peterson. Okay. Uh, how'd you like that, boys? Special little surprise for you <laughs> from the Deanster. Uh, that was amazing. Yeah. Well, Dr. Peterson and I go back quite a far ways. Uh, you know, when I was writing my my first book, um, How to Make Love to Your Partner's Energy Field, uh, Dr. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Uh, I, I'm back now. This is Rick. Jason, what did you have to ask me? Rick, hold it together. Um, yes, I am. Rick, I, I just want to check in on Maggie. How are you doing? Your family. A lot of us are going to no personal <laughs> questions. How about you and Maggie? I have no idea where she is. Uh, I am happy that she is gone. Uh, it is just me now. It is me and Dean, and we live here together. Um, I, I mentioned the monk life. I, you know, people talk about all oh, the carnivore diet. I eat a big bowl of rice with butter every single night with my robe on, and that is all that I wear. 
Yes, I do. I still do indulge in alcohol occasionally, but not too much. And my mind is more clear than it's ever been. I have had all of my chakras opened up. I've had my third eye pried open by Dr. Karn. And he has done things to my body, my soul, my mind that I never thought possible. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm having an absolutely terrific life. You know, all my friends are dead. My family might as well be. I don't know where they are. But I am getting more... very dark. Maybe we can move Rick, on to fantasy. Rick, I'm con confused. You say you live with someone named uh, Dean. I assume you mean Dean Karn. What, I thought your partner's name was Dale. Okay, this is not... <sighs> I, I, this is why I don't like this fucker. Okay? This is... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. We can move on. Maybe we that move is, on. To the, you know, Bjorn, I, I just want to let you know, this is Dean Karn here. Uh, Producer Isaac, I'm going to need you to shut it for just a moment. Uh, Bjorn, I want to let you know that that is one of Rick's uh, soft spots there. So we want to keep life fun again. We want to make fantasy baseball fun again. And and I don't want you to get into the Dale stuff. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Understood, Rick, Dean. Thank you. Rick, back to you. Okay, can we get the show back on the road? Where um where are we going next here? Okay, Rick, remind them that we're going to go on to the the uh, exclusive um, Patreon soon, so we're going to have to cut it off from the freeloaders soon. So don't don't say freeloaders, don't say freeloaders, but tell okay. remind them, remind them that, and we're going to talk about the platinum, and then we're going to let, let let go of the freeloaders. Okay, for all of you uh, thieving fucks, we are going to be dropping off the free version of the podcast. We're going to be heading over to patronize you. And that's where you're going to go. Uh, it costs money, so you're going to have to put up a couple of shekels, you cheap bastards, if you want to keep listening to this. And uh, no, yeah, Rick, got... Rick, Rick, don't say cheap and shekels together. That could be misconstrued. Please, can you retract that? I, you know, shekel, shekels what, is it are a the Jewish shekel, thing. Shekel, well, yeah, the, that's the currency in Israel. Can't say that. Okay. Shit. Uh, well, you know, and I know there's a lot going on. Um, okay, so let's move on to the platinum, the platinum league that uh, Phil won. Ask and and, so, I want you, so, and and we're cutting it off right here, then, right? So no, now no, we're going, no, to, we're going to cut it off after the platinum. Listen, pay okay, attention, after the platinum, pay, pay attention. They're, they're going to hear. They're going to hear I, I, us. I'm doing my best. Okay. Uh, Felipe, I thought you said. Uh, I thought you said cheap shackles, uh, and that made me think that's probably how people escape from your sex dungeon. Anyways. I don't know who it is that has a sex dungeon, but let's go over to Felipe and talk about the platinum here. Oh. Tell us a little bit about, uh, the, you know, how many records you've sold and uh, how they did go platinum in this league. But before we talk about that, Rick, I want you the first question I want you to ask them is how Fab was more or less competitive because they had three players that just basically gave up on a, I think a ten thousand dollar buy-in or twenty thousand. I ask him how much it was, and this guy, this gentleman, Paul Yager. Uh, played it like the TGFBI, and Larry Schechter gave up with nine weeks left, and another guy barely did fab after week nine. Asked him about how people just don't care about this huge buy-in league. So three beta male cucks had given up in this league. Okay, this uh, this platinum here, which I and yeah, tell us what the intro money is for this. How much you got to pay to get in, and uh, tell us about these you know poor pleb losers that had to drop out. And played it like a you know a, a Mason Jar or a uh, uh, Jason Mason TGFBI team. So it's a fifteen thousand dollar buy-in, um, and this first year I did this league. Um, someone dropped out probably with two or three weeks before Vegas, and then I told Greg, "If you can't find anyone, find find anyone, I'll do it." 
Um, and then obviously no one's willing to put up $15,000 two weeks before we had to Vegas. I don't know what plan for it other than me, I guess. So um, I jumped in and I'm sure Jason was happy to see me jump in, in that league. Um, he's mentioned to me that he was pretty happy to see me in that league. So um, yeah, it, the fab was, it was kind of weird because the start we bid for, for draft spots in this league. So I think probably about 1500 was off the table um, before we start the year. So I would I expected at first that the guys to be cheaper, but I don't think the bids were that that much different than mains for I want to say the first three months. And then um obviously with with probably uh like your no, sorry. Um like you said, Rick, um three guys not mm-hmm. <laughs> not bidding. Um and then so much money being off the table um the last two or three months guys were cheap and i i i made i don't know if i didn't adjust quickly enough but i i overbid for a bunch of players um those players mostly worked out actually um but i was just i was just being aggressive um for guys i like but also didn't expect bidding to drop drop off that much that quickly um I'll try yeah. in too. I don't want to steal the uh, champs uh, shine on this one, but on the Damn on it. the fab part on the platinum, although um, the producer Isaac, I think is his name, mentioned a couple uh, examples of people that dropped off. You had five people that were huge volume fab uh, people in this league. Um, Phil was like fourth or fifth in number total number of moves. So there's a couple people in these leagues that make tons of moves every week. So it never felt light to me. I knew there were a couple people that something happened, maybe in their life, but it just never felt like it was competitive, but to Phil's point, the prices were very low uh, towards the end. There is still a lot of bids at the end. Um, even me actually pull it up. Um, yeah. With uh, like last week was the last week was a little bit less, but the week before there were something like over 30 players added. Um, so it was especially, and even the week before that, I count probably 40 plus. So even there were three teams not bidding. Um, there were a lot of bids, a lot of, of cheap bids and that kind of, I, I, my fab was low at that point. Um, and that's kind of, I regretted not saving two bucks per bid. Um, I was kind of thinking six or seven per week, um, except when I had to make four or five moves, um, when you're leading the league and there's so many bids with a dollar per bid, you're getting the last players that no one else wants. And when there's 40 players being added, you're getting, players 36 through 40 um it makes it tough that's something that i want to keep in mind next or keep count two dollars per bit for late in the year on a team that's doing well because um i was worried for a while that that i i wouldn't be able to hold on to my league because um just getting the bottom of the barrel for for players at one dollar it made it tough at the end of the year rick ask him about benchmarks at certain points of the year say at the beginning of september uh, in terms of fab that they want to have Gentlemen, if you were, uh, I don't know if you remember your school days, but we used to have what were called benchmarks, which were like a uh, project we had to do at various points throughout the year. Could you talk about, you know, and I know Felipe, you would say grade six, grade five. Here in America, we'd say fifth grade, sixth grade. What were some of the benchmarks uh, you were responsible for, you know, throughout your lives? Um, That wasn't it. Hold on a minute. Where was I going? Oh, that was fantastic, Rick. I think you did. I think you nailed that. 
Well, no, throughout the, okay, throughout, so different benchmarks of time throughout the baseball season that you wanted to have different amounts of uh, your key fob left over. Well, how do you want to kind of game that out? Either so, one of you. I can go ahead. I um, usually, when when I'm in July, I'm thinking 10, maybe about 15 bucks per week. Um if if there's a player I really want, and that's kind of what happened in in this league, um, Scooble and Nolan Jones came up the same week, and I bid on both them July nine. I was kind of hoping to get one of them. Um, I ended up getting both, so I was really low on Fab for for late in the year. Um, my target this year was about seven bucks, thinking if I have to, I can make seven moves for a dollar. Uh, but most of the time I can go two bucks on two or three guys and I get the fourth guy for, for a dollar, something like that. But, um, I think for next year, I'm probably more looking at 10, um, just to be able to go two bucks on, on five different players. Cause, um, on, uh, you never know what can happen in September. And I had some teams that looked like they were really solid in pitching with 13 or 14 hitters. I like, uh, but sometimes the schedule is weird you have to pick up guys for for the weekend if they have if they're if they have tough matchups they're if they're playing the dodgers or whatever if they have a two a two game monday to thursday um and especially i like i like rotating my bench a lot in, in september um just because i don't need as much pitching so uh if i've got four or five bench spots for hitters uh, i'm moving those guys every week and I'd I'd rather have two dollars, especially in like this one. I was competitive in a main. I can. There's some leagues that kind of where people kind of fade off, and you can get away with dollar bids. But um, for for higher stakes league, we're really active leagues. Um, the getting the two dollars and be able um uh, can make a big difference. Uh, Rick, ask him about Nolan Jones and Jake Berger and how much they impacted him, and and ask him if they were a bigger impact for the hundred and twenty five dollars combined than Ellie Dela Cruz. I kind of want to know Jason's benchmark first. Yeah, I was going to say, we already had a question. So, uh, Jason, let's go over to you. Uh, what's your benchmark project? Yeah, I, I tend to not go crazy the first couple of months. I think this is a lot of overpriced guys. It's not so much the big prospect. It's the uh, one to two week fringe player that people are spending, you know, 20, 30, 40 bucks on. Um, I I went into the year and I failed wanting to have like a hundred bucks by Labor Day. Um, everything Phil said about September, I agree with a hundred percent. Getting those one dollar guys is not fun in September, and there was so much more I could have done to prepare for the chaos of the final two weeks of September. But you need money. It's not just a. I used to think you're trying to cover a couple of injuries, you know, one or two or three dollars, but it's not really um, strategic if you go that route. But uh, yeah, I, I tend to be cheap. Um, the thought of running out of money freaks me out. I, I can't, you know, I'm amazed how people can be so aggressive with fab and, and still succeed. That's the cool part about this game. You can spend it uh, anyway, but uh, I'm pretty cheap. There's just a lot of other players in the pool if you make your lists um, long enough, but I don't have benchmarks except, as I said, I wanted a hundred. The problem is I was like top three in fab budget all the way through the year on every team until Strand and Story came into the fab pool. And then to get them, I was looking at one team that might be competitive with it. Um, like you and Weimer and Rob and the Mike DeMouth ultimate, for example, prime example there. So um, I had to go nuts to secure the guy. So I went from like top three in fab to like bottom three in fab at the most critical time of the year. So 
bad planning. Um, and it wasn't that I was saving up. You guys are going to call me a homer, which is crazy based on my patterns, by the way, <laughs> of how I build my teams. But um, it wasn't uh -huh. about saving for story. Um, I just wasn't excited about, you know, the weekly um, prospect pitcher of the week. It felt like you had, you know, 10 chances at those and I didn't get invested with any of those. So had to spend it somewhere. It's funny you said that with CES. The, the, the move I could relate to um, in this one, the Platinum, was Ellie. When I bid on him, I had the highest uh, highest amount, amount of fab left by quite a bit. And I think the hammer would have been around 4.30, something like that. And I spoke to, to Brian Stock on the phone, and he basically told me, like, going a dollar more and using your hammer is kind of the, the pussy move, um, or is the aggressive <laughs> move. Hammer the pussy. <laughs> Um, sure. the aggressive move is bring down the bid and try to get, like, get the player for as little as possible. Um, so that kind of convinced me to bring my bid down. I, I, I bid three fifty eight. runner up was three thirty three. Um, so that probably saved me, I don't say, I don't think I was going like four twenty four thirty, but probably saved me 60 bucks. Um, and that's the money I used for Nolan Jones. I got for 55. So um and possibly henry davis i got for 40 um but it, it i probably still would have got davis and, and run out uh for jones so um it's it's tough because you want you have the hammer you have too much money you want to use it but at the same time um like brian said the aggressive move is like go for be more aggressive go for a lower bid and if you miss out know that there's don't be scared of missing out on the guy and, and knowing that there's more players coming. Once you got the CS and story, you're right. It was kind of tough because we all knew there were the last two, but um, like in, in June with, with Ellie and um, a little bit later than that, um, a couple more of the young pitchers came up um, in, in June and you kind of have to say like, I'll, I'll go for them, but don't, don't go crazy because there's always more guys. Yeah, and there was a oh, lot sorry. of talk on Twitter too, which looks funny now when, um, you know, I think when Ellie got called up, for example, people were like, you know, I understand going all the way down to $2. You know, the comments yeah. of just going all in was, um, but yeah, I, 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 I agree with all of that. Um, and I agree with Brian. I'm glad he's retiring actually after hearing that story. <laughs> Tried cocaine once. Okay. Uh, well, thank you for that, gentlemen. Maybe, maybe uh, ask them, maybe, Rick, maybe ask them if they um, ever um, used the max authorized bids um, provided by uh, Gordon Gecko. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, Gordy Gecko, he provides maximum authoritative bids. Have you ever done it? Uh, we'll go to Mr. DePiont. De yeah. Absolutely. Hall of Fame player. Um, Got to trust Gecko on these. Um, when he says go, go all in, uh, go all in. So, yeah, absolutely. I think that's uh, um, it's very nice. He shares that type of information with the uh, community, to be quite honest. How about you, Felipe? Uh, yeah, Hall of Famer. He says that you got to listen to him. I'm yeah. not in the Hall of Fame, so I got to I look up the mark. Or, sorry to Gordon, Gordon Gecko. Kind of the Hall of Fame of Smarm, if you ask me. <laughs> but he's a good guy. Uh, and frankly, I sexy picture uh, on uh, Tweeter. But uh, anyway, let's go ahead and uh, check the notes here. Are we going to? We're just about um, 
uh, at the point we're going to tease about the Justin St um, Phil's next year's Justin Steele, and then we're going to move on to the the paid portion of this podcast where we talk about the um, three players that are overvalued and three players that are significantly undervalued in so in drafts so far this year. Coming up, we've got the Phil Steele Player of the Year, where we're going to find out who is this year's Justin DeSalt. That's coming up here in a moment. We've also got the premium content. You're going to have to switch over and pay a couple of extra shekels, and you're going to have to pay it to our patronizing. And it's going to be three undervalued and overvalued players for the 2023-2024 draft season, as answered by both of our guests. You will want this information. These are great players, and you kind of just, you know, tool around on a Yahoo free league or something. So you need to up your game. If you're willing to do that, cough it up, put a couple of pennies in my cup, and we're going to go over to Patreon and finish this episode. That's great. Uh, great. That's Rick. Rick, that's great because all of these players on, that are that you see on X and on whatever Twitter, um, they just want to, they just want the free information. So like they eat it up like candy, like those Mark the Mark Curlins and all that stuff. So play into that. Like uh, all the, all those analysts, people that just want the information given to them, they love it. They'll, they'll, eat, they'll eat this up like candy. Okay. We're so talking about the Michelle Curlons. We're talking about the Frank Am I Rights. So we're talking about the uh um Oh, uh, the Frank piss can. And I got to say, before we go, and I want this tip for everybody to hear, not just people on the patronizing. There is a man, okay, that the other day I shared the Moth the Mic episode with uh, at Todd Zola 1 and also uh, Frank piss can and a uh, man that we don't really associate anymore with, but Zach uh, we, we shared that the other day. I shared it on Tweeter. And Frank Piscan, who produced that show, he retweeted it, and he made a bit of a love symbol. He made like a googly eye or some kind of heart thing. I don't know what it was. But either way, it made me realize this is the man for me. So Mr. Piscan, if you are listening, I desire a kinship. I desire a connection. And I may even desire a men's movie night watching Lethal Weapon 3. If you do like Doritos, if you enjoy Mountain Dew, and if you enjoy a hairy man that's a little bit overweight, I would enjoy sitting down <laughs> and getting to know you. And I think you know what I mean by that. Okay, so... You all right, Rick? I'm okay. So, uh, Mr. Piscant, I'm going to reach out to you on Tweeter, and we're going to see if we can, uh, you know, do some male bonding and maybe a little bit of horseplay. Uh, hey, so that's going to run. Rick, yeah. we are going to get a dog pound on the other side of this segment, right? Yes, yes. And I forgot to talk about that. You're all aware of this woman, Kim. I'm not going to pronounce the last name because, frankly, I think I'll get in trouble for it. But there's a woman named Kim who was... I don't know, the coach of the Florida Marlins, her and Derek Jeter, okay? And she's gone now, and every little cuck. Okay, are, we, are, we, are, we, saving, are Rick, we saving Rick, this for Rick, the yeah, other yeah. side? Save, save the dog pound, Rick. Okay, yeah, I guess I was going a little bit too far. So we'll we'll save this, gentlemen. There was a little taste of me uh, coming to Mr. Piscan <laughs> here soon. And uh, we're going to head over to Patreon, and uh, we'll see you guys there. So, so we're going to tease that we're going to get Phil, Phil's Next year's Justin Steele, this the the overpriced and underpriced that. players, and then the dog pound, um, and then but before we go, maybe a little maybe a little rant here from you, uh, Rick. Um, 
I want you, what I want you to talk about is like, what is really a fantasy baseball analyst? I don't get all of these analysts who say they're good analysts and bad players. Have you ever heard of someone say that they're a great poker analyst, but a terrible player? Are there any financial analysts that when it comes down to producing a report, just screw up the math? Can you, can you maybe like do a funny thing on these? You're going to tell me that... to be funny. I don't, <laughs> well, I just am who I am, boss. Maybe, okay. Talk, I... Go, go into that. Go into, can you just. Well, I do know that there are. On, on people that say they're good analysts, but bad players. Fuck up. <laughs> Okay, so I know that there are fantasy basketball writers out there that do their freelance work and they get paid $15 an article to write something over at, you know, uh, Roto uh, Bastards or something. You know, and uh, <laughs> I, I, what, what is it, producer Isaac? You're doing fantastic. Go oh, okay. So, you know, they, they write the little articles and stuff and they say, I'm a better analyzer than I am a player. What in the sweet Christ does that mean? So you're sitting here. Here's the life you've chosen. Okay. You've got a domineering wife. You're living in a home you can't afford. You've got two kids that fucking hate your guts. And you know it. And all you've got to show for it is you write some piddly dink article on rotobastard.com. Okay. And then you come and then you have the gall to say, Oh, I only play in uh, free $50 qualifiers on the NBC because I'm not a good player. <laughs> what in the, what is with these gentlemen? And I use that term loosely. That's going to wrap it up for the free episode. Head on over to Patronize and we're going to give you the goods.